1: Now, here's Brian Barnhart. And good morning, everybody. Welcome to A Penny for Your Thoughts. As we work our way to Friday, it is December 7th. It is Pearl Harbor Day. We'll remember that, of course, uh, today on this date, on the attack on Pearl Harbor on the uh, base there by the Japanese during World War II. So that, of course, a day that will live in infamy, as the president said at the time. That is uh, December 7th. We've reached the end of this week. Of course, the buzz around town today is volleyball. And we'll have the match for you at 11 o'clock this morning. We'll actually join you at 10.30 with our pregame coverage with Dave Lone. And our guest today in studio is Justice Robert Steigman. We all know him, the judge. He's been doing this for many, many, many years here on the radio. And he's with us, and he's got a stack of stuff to get to. And we'll try to squeeze it in from two hours to an hour and a half here with the judge coming up in just a moment. A couple of things of note. On Monday, I will be off. I do have to get a vacation day or two in here or there. Now that we're done traveling for a little bit, I'll take a day off on Monday. Scott Beatty will be in the chair on Monday with the Monday morning quarterbacks. And then we'll get back to it on Tuesday. Wednesday, we're broadcasting live uh, part of the big uh, toy drive and all the information there out at Carl at the Fields on Wednesday, among other things next week. But... Busy, busy time here today and in the week ahead. And we will take our opening break, and when we come back, we will all rise for the judge next here on DWS. Back on Penny for your thoughts here at three five six nine three nine seven. Justice Robert Steigman is in studio with us. Uh, let me tell you quickly about OSF Ergo. It's a new modern urgent care service. It's a couple of locations, 2718 North Prospect near Walmart and Meyer, and 2043 South Neal is their newest location. Uh, Right near Harvest Market there. It's where the old Bricks uh, restaurant used to be, right there at uh, Devonshire and Neal. OSF Ergo, a new modern urgent care service. OSF Healthcare has found that young, busy professionals are looking for something very different in a healthcare experience. And OSF Ergo is redefining care delivery to create a better experience for all patients by meeting them where they are in their healthcare journey. You're greeted. Patients are by a care guide who will assist you throughout the visit. The provider will join the patient in the exam room to provide diagnosis and treatment. From start to finish, here's the good news. The average visit to OSF Ergo, U-R-G-O, is under 30 minutes. I mean, you're on the go. You want to go in, be seen, get done what you need to do, and get, get on your way. Visits are generally covered by insurance. You can also pay privately. OSF Ergo can treat common illnesses and minor injuries. They offer on-site lab and x-ray services, OSF Urgo. If you need a, a drug test done uh, for a job uh, or anything for physical, for school, for sports, you can do all that right there, OSF Ergo, uh, with our two locations that I'll remind you of in a moment. They enter, offer offer complimentary Wi-Fi, charging stations for your phone, and a coffee bar. So very up-to-date on that. 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., seven days a week, 365 days a year. It's OSF Ergo, U-R-G-O. Two locations, 2718 North Prospect near Walmart and Meyer, 2043 South Neal near the Harvest Market, the old bricks location. So uh, if you need care, uh, hopefully you don't have to use them, but if you do and you need something quick, want to get it done quickly, OSF Ergo is the recommended stop for you there. It's available to you anyway. 911 here on DWS. Justice Robert Steigman is here. This, you said this is an anniversary for you? Well, or yes, yesterday, yesterday
2: he was. <coughs> It's hard to believe it's been 42 years since I was first sworn in as a judge. It was uh, December 6, 1976, and as I like to think, the first 42 years are the hardest,
1: Brian. (laughs) (laughs) Want to go another 43?
2: Well, you know, uh, the good Lord willing, I'm healthy uh, and have the best job in the world. I could have retired essentially at full pay 15 years ago, and it's such an honor and a privilege. Uh, to serve as a judge and particularly in the appellate court, it's really a wonderful place to be. But I was just thinking about that, uh, talking about Pearl Harbor, that's mm-hmm. the anniversary, but it's, uh, it's hard to believe that <clears throat> I think of the 900 and around 60 judges in the state of Illinois, I'm, uh, in the top 10 for seniority at this point. Not sure exactly how I fit in, but, uh, <laughs> maybe even the top five.
1: I was going to say because uh, even locally in recent years we've had a turnover in oh, yes. some judges here at, the, at this level.
2: Well, to show you uh, this, uh, how long you've been at it, you know, you've heard of Tom Defanos, who's now been a judge forever, and then he was state's attorney forever before that. Mm-hmm. When he first became an assistant state's attorney, I was his mentor. I trained him in the state's attorney's <laughs> office. I mean. You know, it's hard to believe. It sounds like going back to the Middle Ages, yeah. you know?
1: Could call you Yoda. Really? Yeah, really. I mean, you know, <laughs> all these Jedi you've trained. So. Yep. Anyway, a uh, well, lot to talk about. This has been a week, of course, consumed with the passing of George H.W. Bush right. a week ago. Uh, first of all, those funeral services are wonderful to watch. <clears> I mean, they are. the sadness, but the tradition, I know they're planned out years in advance, but uh, it just reminds you of the, I don't know, the kindness, goodness of America um, it is in a and, way though those ceremonial
2: and, uh, <clears throat> George H.W. Bush was a real uh, a patriot and uh, a fellow who embodied noblesse oblige that is the obligation of the uh, nobility so to speak and he was kind of that by his birth to uh, you had a responsibility to your country and to lesser folks and uh, you know it, one of the terrible things, and, you know, one of the things I, I want to mention because um, we shouldn't lose track of uh, all the terrible things that the media said about George H.W. Bush when he was president and, and campaigning for president. Uh, but one of those was what a wimp he was. Now, this is a guy who at 18 uh, enrolled in the Navy in World War II and was a fighter pilot. And was shot down once and rescued by a U.S. submarine and saw lots of his, uh, friends and compatriots die in combat. And we have these guys, reporters behind their iron-plated desks calling this guy a wimp, uh, and without courage. And it really was offensive at the time. And it's like no one paid any attention to it. But there were, there were lots of other things that we should remember <coughs> about What people said about him, because it puts all this in context, and and the fact is that he was a Republican president. One uh, wag put it that the only times conservatives are praised in the press is when they can be used to run down other conservatives. And each Republican president is a fool, a bigot, or a dangerous warmonger while he's in office. One stead, he acquires a strange new respect. Uh, so Barry Goldwater, Gerald Ford, Ronald Reagan, and George Bush the Elder have now become harmless and lovable figures. But it's a funny thing, they weren't dealt with as harmless and lovable figures. And in fact, what's interesting, uh, those of us who were around and remember the 1988 campaign, uh, when, uh, the, the Willie Horton ad was used, that was, uh, an ad used against Michael Dukakis, the Democratic nominee who furloughed when the caucus was governor of Massachusetts, Willie Horton, who is this really dangerous
1: guy. And, uh, and that was part of a furlough program they were doing in yes, Massachusetts. Yes, part of
2: a furlough time. program, but he is the governor, approved it and all that. And uh, <clears throat> the um, they attacked Bush in the Bush campaign, and... Uh, Here's an example. This In December the USA Today's editor, Barbara Reynolds, wrote, quote, it wouldn't surprise me if George Bush appointed David Duke, the former white, cheat wearing KKK wizard, as Republican National Committee chairman to implement the administration's white, race-driven social policies. Now, this is an important point to bring out because some people think, gee, this claim of racism, which is constantly being made about Trump, even though Trump was a guy who had this national persona for years and years before he stepped on the elevator saying' I'm running for president, and no one ever accused him of being racist in all that time. Not nothing he did, but that's another story. But the point is, Republican candidates and Republican presidents have been accused of racism or being Nazis since forever. This is a standard trope. here's May 1992, Los Angeles riots. Uh, The Boston Globe editorial writer blamed Bush, George H.W. Bush, the guy we've been celebrating, you know, uh, for that too, and said there's a direct connection between the moral vacuity and coy racism of the Willie Horton president, that's how George Bush was then called, and the verdict of the Simi Valley jury that sparked the unrest. And then U.S. News & World Reports talks about Uh, Bush lapsing into the mudslinging over patriotism that characterized his 1988 campaign. And uh, then here's the other. um, While we see George Bush, this is USA Today, George Bush saying he doesn't like the racist politics. Boy, he's letting his White House staff play it full bore. One last thing. When I say this has been going on since forever, I mean just about that how far does it go back for a republican president or presidential candidates to be accused of being nazis or supported by nazis how about this let's go back 78 years in october 1940 with a week to go us president a week to go to the us presidential election democrats declare hitler wants Wendell wilkie elected wilkie elected nazi propaganda is pro Republican. That's that was before the R- Roosevelt Wilkie race in nineteen forty. So uh the more things change, as the French would say, the the more they don't change. And uh uh I George H. W. Bush was a patriot, a great man, whether you disagreed with some of his policies or not, but the public shouldn't be fooled by what they're hearing and about how this change of tone. The tone was ugly and lousy then and someday when we have the George W. Bush funeral, we're going to have the same kind of nonsense spouted, uh, being used to beat over whoever the Republican leadership might be then. Forgetting, of course, about all the Bush-Hitler uh, signs we used to have and about the trope from the Democrats, uh, Bush lied and people died and all the rest of this stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, just put this a little in context.
1: It is interesting, though, as, you know, when a president dies, and Steve Beckett pointed this out earlier this week, that we all, as we grow up and live our lives as someone becomes president, they've become almost part of our family. Yes. whether You know, there are family members that we don't like as well as some others, too. I mean, that's natural. But there is something, because when a president dies, you saw the train yesterday go to College Station. There's something unique about that, that connection with, a nation well, and and yeah. their president, no matter which party it is. Yeah,
2: and, and I think that's right. And I think it's it's uh, the office deserves respect. I remember uh, there are a lot of people who didn't like Barack Obama, who didn't think he uh, should have been elected, but he was. And the idea that his presidency wasn't legitimate, or because they dislike him, I, he's your president, not mine. That was really not discussed, and it goes down to. What I've always said is one of the fundamental differences between conservatives uh, and liberals or Democrats and Republicans, we conservatives think the Democrats are mistaken. The Democrats and the liberals think we Republicans and conservatives are evil. And it's very hard to have this meaningful conversation when people think, well, you're just evil to begin with.
1: 356-9397. Justice Robert Steigman is with us until 1030, so an hour plus. Here left uh, in the show, and then we'll hand it off to Volleyball with Dave Lone over at Huff Hall. We've got some questions that have come in for the judge. We'll get to those. We'll touch on a couple of the local stories. do want to tell you that a great place to visit to get a bed, a mattress, and don't just go in somewhere and lay down and go, okay, this works. No, no, no. Go to the Reveal Machine over at Snooze Luxury Mattress Shop at the Country Fair Shopping Center in Champaign. It's right next to This Is It Furniture. They have the Reveal Machine. 1664 exactly built-in sensors to yield an on-screen pressure point analysis that helps visualize your sleep comfort needs so you'll find out where if you have pressure points on your neck and your stomach on your shoulder I tend to have mine on the shoulder because I sleep on my side they've also uh, got the way there are all kinds of mattresses i mean you name it they've got you'll be stunned by how many mattresses are in there and also pillows they've got the wall of pillows the great wall of china the great wall of pillows is there at snooze luxury mattress shop carbon cool pillows they've got uh, side sleeper pillows they've got very soft and silky bamboo bedding 100 percent egyptian uh, hand finish tailored by italian artisans french linen from flax grown in france you name it they've got it a store unlike any other their goal though overall is your best sleep ever it is the folks at snooze luxury mattress shop say hi to big mike over there he's always got a lot going on in our community and he runs This Is It Furniture and the newer store. They're together now. Country Fair Shopping Center Snooze Luxury Mattress Shop. Back with the judge and your questions next. All right, we're here with Justice Robert Steigman. Hour and a half today, and then we'll go to volleyball. We'll hand it off to Dave Lone. We'll have the handoff shortly after 10.30, kind of like a football quarterback, handing it off to the tailback. We'll do that uh, coming up after 10.30, and then he'll take it from there. 11 o'clock, Illinois and Marquette, Sweet 16, huff hall hope you're ready for that all right the judge is ready he is with us and let's go to the phone see what people want to talk about hi bob good morning
3: good morning i you know i got this idea from watching fox news you know and they had on there like jobs only increased 155 thousand. well unless these jobs increase their payment the paying people how much they're going to raise it people are going to take jobs. And how I know this is a lot of times i see uh, hiring at Duck and Donuts or hiring at McDonald's or hiring here and there and these young men, they're single and getting government help and stuff. I, I said, well, then you take the job. And he says, no. What they're paying? he says, I said, I'll let the government take care. I can make more money that way. And, you know, Unless these people out here will pay above minimum wage, well, you know the people are going to sit on their high ends and live off the government. And that, to me, that I don't think that's right. If there's a job available, I, I I think sometimes our government help needs to be cut with some of these, especially these single people, eighteen years old and not not working. I, I just I feel like uh, it's a fair to taxpayers out there. When there's a job available, they
0: won't take them.
1: Well, I think the um, you know the idea is, and I think the wages have gone up here over the last year, based on uh, the different reports I hear overall, which maybe will help uh, you know those people that uh, would want to work and work for a good wage. Uh, maybe it'll encourage them. I hope anyway.
3: Well, you know, I'll, a lot of times I'll talk uh, on average in a year fifteen to twenty young men that come in looking for a job, and uh, I said. You don't want zombies? No, I can get more off Governor
2: Hill.
1: Yeah. Well, that that has been an issue. Uh, that's, I've heard those same stories. So, Hey, Bob, thank yeah. you. All right. Appreciate Bye. it. All right. Uh, let's see. We're j- with Justice Robert Steigman. Let's go to Carol. Hey, Carol. Good morning.
4: Good morning. I just have a real quick question. Um, Monday of this week during broad daylight, I was at the Target, knocked down from behind in the parking lot, and robbed uh, the Two boys were caught. Uh, they were both 15 years old with loaded guns. Um, uh, the state's attorney was supposed to let me know when they were going to be arraigned or what type of charges. Since they're juveniles, what can I expect?
2: Well, I don't know. Juveniles are treated under the law differently than adults, uh, but uh, uh, armed robbery with a gun is a very serious offense, and uh they can be uh, jailed or locked up, depending upon particularly uh, the circumstances and what record they've had or what their situation is. Uh, but the law tries to treat uh, juveniles uh, uh, not necessarily more leniently, but uh, to give the judge more uh, options because the idea is maybe the juveniles can be. Uh, And in fact, I think it's true. They're more receptive to being, having their behavior turned around at uh, 15 than perhaps when they're 19. Uh, but the, maybe the best thing I could emphasize is that, uh, you should stay in touch with the state's attorney's office. I think they have a whip, victims, witnesses, uh, assistance people on staff and, uh, make sure you you call, say who you are, that you're very interested in following up on this. And I, I'd be very surprised if, um, given that you're the victim of an armed robbery, they aren't uh, receptive and responsive to you.
4: Well, I know I was told that this wasn't their first time around the poll, is well, how they were it. That, so I'm hoping, go I mean, with guns loaded, I'm hoping that there is some drastic punishment. But um, I was also told that it depended on the judge they went for, exactly. Well, Correct.
2: Well, it it might be. The judges have a lot of discretion. I was the juvenile court judge in Champaign County for 10 years. and uh, mm-hmm. Back in the day, I viewed uh, committing armed robberies, especially with a gun, as a serious matter. And I, I think the judges currently do as well. Uh, but the law, you know, there's this effort to, uh, how do I put it, uh, provide more discretion. It might be also to soften up the law a bit so that uh uh, judges will be more lenient with juvenile court offenders, uh, uh, 15 years old. I'm not sure I would agree with that, but that's the policy of uh, where the legislature is going.
4: Okay. Well, now they didn't They didn't pull the guns on me, but they found them when they searched them. They did come up from behind and knock me down, though. So I, mm. you know, but I'm just.
2: Well, that's, that's an act. It would change a regular robbery slash mugging. Into a more serious event. That is, even if you weren't, you weren't confronted with the gun, the fact that a gun was on their person uh-huh. makes this a more serious, really aggravated, aggravated matter. matter. Uh, I dealt I with don't. lots of armed robbery cases, and it's a very scary business to have a gun pointed in your face by someone you don't know, some criminal who, in fact, might uh, either cause you serious harm or end your life. It's, it's a bad uh-huh. business.
4: Exactly. Well, thank you so much for your time. Right, sure,
1: Carol. I hope you're okay. Oh, I am. Right. Mm-hmm. Thank, well, you. thank you. Thank mm-hmm. you. Wow, that, was, that had to be scary. Uh, let's go to Jerry here before the news. Good morning, Jerry.
3: Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, Judge, my question is, uh, can, if you can make it simple enough that I can understand uh, the death tax here in Illinois, um, most of my parents are deceased within a month of each other, and some stuff was in. Their own names. some was in joint, and some was in trust. I don't understand why we're jumping through all these hoops, why we just can't put everything together in one pot. Uh, can you uh, address that, please? And I'll hang up and listen.
1: All right. Thank you, Jerry. Well, when
2: you, uh, if you're asking about tax law, I can tell you about criminal procedure and evidence. But uh, uh, this isn't my strong cup of tea. It's a complicated area. <clears throat> I'm not sure how this all works uh i um my my advice would be to uh be sure to talk to uh lawyers who specialize in uh estate tax and uh dealing with uh estates when uh people have died as far as <coughs> uh the death tax is concerned i think in illinois uh the to the extent we still have an inheritance tax i think I'm called uh I think it's really very high. That is, you have to have an awful lot of money in an estate before you'd start paying any taxes. And I think, but I'm not sure, again, this is not my area of expertise, I think it was changed uh, in the tax laws by the federal government uh, recently so that, the estate has to be very high as well. <clears throat> but I'm not sure. Again, I just say this is something you you need to run by uh, tax experts.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of attorneys that handle yes. that sort of thing. So certainly you can. It's uh, an
2: area of specialty. And uh, uh, just like, um, as I said, criminal law, criminal procedure, rules of evidence, civil procedure, that's one area of specialty and tax law and estates and all that is a separate one.
1: All right, it's close to crunch time with a toy drive next week. Or you're out and about this weekend. Maybe you can pick up a couple of toys. I know a lot of people do a lot of big shopping here these next two weekends. And hopefully you can help us out as we help out the Salvation Army, take care of the long list of over 2,000 children in our area so they can have a special Christmas. Or if you want to make a monetary donation, you can do that. Uh, that enables the Salvation Army to purchase toys. You can do that at carl.org. Or go to our Facebook page. You can do that as well. They'll provide links there. So again, uh, the toy drive underway. We're a big part of this. Salvation Army, of course, a huge part of it. And Carl as well in the Salvation Army. So it's a great team. Hopefully you can help us out as you're out and about shopping this weekend. 933. Here's Michael with the news. I want to talk with the judge about immigration. We've got Mueller. We've got several texts that have come in and emails. And we'll talk about all that here on this Pearl Harbor Day after uh, this. Here's Michael.
3: December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. The United States of America was suddenly and deliberately attacked by naval and air forces of the Empire of Japan. No matter how long it may take us, to overcome this premeditated invasion, the American people in their righteous might will win through to absolute victory.
1: All right, December seventh, 1941, Pearl Harbor Day today. We have Justice Steigman with us as we visit with him on a variety of topics. He has two quick things he wanted to bring up. Brett Kavanaugh. Yes. You know, did you say? And John James. Yes. Okay.
2: There's a follow-up to uh, some stories that have been since I was last here five weeks ago. Uh Here's, first question is, have you ever heard of someone named Judy Monroe Layton? <clears throat> My guess is you haven't. No. And I suspect most of the listeners haven't either. Uh, you may recall that when Brett Kavanaugh was um, subject to the scrutiny, a lot of Whitman came forth and uh, the, uh, Senate Democrats said, look at all these women who are accusing him of sexual misconduct, and we need a further investigation, all that. <clears throat> Judy Monroe Layton uh, has conceded. She, By the way, she is a person who had sent a letter to Senator Kamala Harris, who uh, forwarded it uh, to the uh, Senate committee. Uh, she said she was Jane Doe living in Oceanside, California, <clears throat> and she uh, asked committee investigators to look into various allegations of sexual misconduct and assault that she made against Kavanaugh, how he and another guy had raped her. Uh, the reason I'm mentioning this is um, it. she has now admitted it was a lie, and she says, I was angry, and that's why I uh, made this, because I was angry, and I didn't mm. like Kavanaugh, and I wanted to stop him. And Grassley, who's the chairman of the committee, has referred the matter to the FBI for prosecution. Hmm. Uh, And uh, the media, and Believe All Victims, somehow has dropped the story. And it's no surprise you've heard of Judy Monroe Layton. Now, I I should emphasize, I prosecuted rape cases for five years in Champaign County. That was my assignment. And it's a serious, terrible offense. (laughs) And the fact that... Uh, there was an embrace of what amounted to really groundless allegations. In my judgment, diminished the whole idea of how serious and awful these rape cases are, mm. and that's one of the reasons I objected so much to this. That uh, mm. uh, this this was a, a bad business, and uh, we'll we'll see. And she ought to be prosecuted. And there's been some other rape victims who've claimed rape and uh, said, no, nah, it wasn't true. This is a serious matter, and it affects people who have been raped. And there ought to be a sense that you can't make this claim when it's just not true. we got
1: another name, and let's get to him right after this caller. This okay. caller waited through the news, so let's get to Eric. Hi, Eric. Good morning.
0: Uh, good morning, Brian. Good morning, Judge. Um, I had a question about the uh, the Christensen case. Uh, of course, it's been going on for a while here. Say again. Uh, the which the, case? Uh, Brent Christensen. Uh, Brent oh, Christensen. sure. Okay. Sure. Um, you know, I've been I've been thinking for for quite a long time that there's just basically no way this this case should ever end up in, you know in the in actually going to trial because um, I don't see his side or his lawyer's side actually claiming you know he didn't do it or you got the wrong man in jail or anything like that. They seem like they're Going for different angles of mental health and this kind of uh, thing, does it behoove him? I mean, just I'm not talking from the a legal point of view, but just from the standpoint of uh, getting a, of, of, you know, avoiding going to trial and, and you know, potentially getting the death penalty of offering up whatever information he might have about what actually happened. Well, you know, I'm, I'm talking to, you know, like a plea sort of thing.
2: Well, yes, uh, it it might, but then let me explain. Uh, what's going on in this case is the way cases ought to be handled. And by that I mean, uh, as opposed to the circus we see in Washington, D.C., which is awful, uh, and violation of how the Department of Justice and the FBI and people ought to be conducting investigations. To put it bluntly, nothing should be leaked. Nothing should be said about what's going on. And to their great credit, The federal prosecutors in this case are saying nothing. That's the way it should be done. Cases, especially serious matters, should be tried in court. They're under no obligation to explain any of this to the public or the media uh, until such time as uh, the case comes to the court. Similarly, this is a serious matter. The defense uh, are called upon to provide as good a defense for this guy, as they can. It's a Sixth Amendment right, and they're under no obligation, and they shouldn't uh, talk about what they're doing or why they're doing it or what their theories are. They need to try this case in court as well. And my supposition, only because that's the usual, is there might be conversations going on between the prosecution and the defense about. Uh, can this be resolved short of, let's say, trial and this government seeking the death penalty? <clears throat> but the important thing is no one ought to be talking about this publicly, and they're not. So that's to their credit. Contrast this with the clown show in D.C. where we have a special counsel. By the way, these rules apply to everyone in the Department of Justice, including the special counsel. How is it that we are seeing on CNN and the mainstream media constantly daily reports about what the special counsel is planning or doing or thinking or is revealing? Uh, this, what I call it a clown show, that's what it is. It's <clears throat> And it's not just he. It's other uh, agencies and the federal government and investigations and all the rest of this. None of this, and, and let me emphasize again, none of this, should be revealed or leaked. It's a disgrace to what the Department of Justice is supposed to be about.
1: All right, Eric. All right. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much, And judge. real quickly, sure. Judge, what do you think of the change of venue? Goes oh, from yeah. Shame, I'm not surprised.
2: <clears throat> I'm not surprised. When I was a trial, Judge, I had a couple of cases that uh, were real heater cases that uh, I determined had to be moved out of Champaign County up to uh, Chicago or away from Champaign. The fundamental idea is this, Brad. Uh every defendant is entitled to a fair trial. And uh, what you want to do when you're the judge and you're responsible for it is to try to ensure that you're going to have a jury that has no preconceived notions about this case. Now, it's important to understand, a lot of folks don't, that the issue isn't, have you ever heard or anything about this case, the issue instead is how much may you as a prospective juror heard or read? And did you ever form any opinions based thereon as to whether he's guilty or not guilty? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the latter, which is the troubling aspect. Uh, I have, I must have interviewed over the course of my being a trial judge, hundreds of prospective jurors in cases that, who said, yeah, I've heard something about this case, but I, I had no opinion. I really haven't paid that much attention. Those people, they're fine to serve as jurors. I think uh what the judge said, and I would have predicted it, since it's now going to be tried in front of a judge who's going to be in Peoria, <clears throat> and he was just being candid, this is going to be a long trial, and it's a lot better for me to be able to uh, handle my other call and aspect of it if it's going to be tried here in Peoria. It's not that far away. There were other advantages as well. I can understand from the family's point of view, the family of the victim, that this is difficult. They prefer inconvenient for them. Yeah. Inconvenient. They'd prefer not mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. The judge acknowledged that, but I think in the big scheme of things, uh it's an entirely reasonable decision to move it for change of venue and the likely there's been really pretty intensive media coverage of the story here in Champaign County area, mm-hmm. the likelihood is you're going to get a few, if any, jurors in Peoria who will, by the standard I mentioned, heard and read a lot about this case and ever formed an opinion about what
1: would be a proper verdict. Mm-hmm. Do you know the judge? The a little bit, said, sure. Yeah, yeah, judge okay. she added, uh, yeah. mm-hmm.
2: uh he's he's a well-regarded guy, a very experienced guy. As I recall, he came from the Peoria County uh, state trial court, so he's had lots of uh, judicial experience before he got in the federal bench.
1: All right, back to another name. We'll have that up right after the uh, break here, and then several emails have come in. We'll roll through those as well after this with Justice Robert Steigman. Yep, Justice Steigman's with us until 1030. If you've ever had a collision, of course, slick roads. Be careful. Gallo-Miller, pain and collision repair, full-service collision repair facility. They know having a car accident, it's a serious matter, but... It's a frustrating matter. I mean, you're mad. You're mad at yourself. I should have turned left instead of right. What was that guy thinking? What was she doing? Why well, how can she back into my car like that without looking? I mean, you're just mad anyway. So uh, take all the anger and frustration, you know, get, get over it quickly. Get the insurance information exchanged. And then give the keys. Call Gallo Miller. Give them the keys and let them get you back to where you need to be. They can take care of this. They know the collision repair business inside and out. And they uh, work as insurance adjusters. They ran body shops between the two guys. They know what a um, free estimate is, of course. They can get that to you and uh, give you the – so you kind of take the fear factor out of what – how much is this going to cost me? Well, now they can give you the free estimate. They can take care of that. Maybe you need just a simple paint job. Maybe you haven't been in an accident, but you want to paint your car. They can do that, too. But uh, Gallo-Miller Paint and Collision Repair, they hope you do not need their service. But if you do, they're conveniently and centrally located in champaign Urbana. Look for their attractive building, the south side of I-74, between the Neal Street and Prospect exits, com. All right, uh, you have a name that we uh, probably not have heard of.
2: Yes, and uh, it's, it's one I want to uh, mention. His name is John James. Mm-hmm. I bet you haven't heard anything about him in <laughs> your listeners. Who is he? Well, to put it in context, I'm sure you've heard of Andrew Gillum, who is the Democratic candidate for governor in Florida yes. black mm-hmm. guy mm-hmm. and uh, I forget her first name Abrams, who is the Democratic governor candidate for governor mm-hmm. in Georgia in Georgia a yeah. black woman mm-hmm. and they both lost in close races and of course there were veiled and not so veiled accusations that the reason they lost to some white candidates was due to racism say because the Republicans are always racist. John James was the candidate for Senate in Michigan. He's a businessman, an Iraqi war veteran, and uh, a black guy who is the Republican candidate for Senate in Michigan hmm. who lost to Debbie Stabenow, the white uh, woman incumbent, in a relatively close race, by the way. I think it was uh, eight points or less. And... Um, There was no discussion about how to vote for Debbie Stabenow. It's because you're racist and rejecting the black candidate. And. Somehow this whole discussion missed. And by the way, the other thing about John James is he was one of the people, speaking about this morning's discussion, Heather Nauert, I think, was Mm -hmm. nominated to be U.N. ambassador. He was one of a handful of people being considered by President Trump for that position. Is that right? Yeah, and he's not done yet. He's a young guy and a sharp guy. I've Hmm. seen him speak. And uh, Debbie Stabenow is another one of the... Uh, if not, uh, septuagenarian Democrat, she's, uh, a lot older woman, white woman, and, uh, beat this up and coming black guy, and there's no discussion about how. You had to be racist to vote against
1: them. Hmm. How close was it? Pretty close? As I say,
2: I think yeah. it was about an 8.5446. Uh, okay. uh, it was, you know, as the record shows, this wasn't a good year to be riding the elephant. Uh, so a lot of Republican <laughs> candidates lost. But uh, he it was a serious race. But there was no – the point being there was all this discussion about how you're racist hmm. to vote against black candidates or Democrats – But you're not racist, apparently, to vote against Republican candidates who are black. Mm -hmm. And uh, John James is the best example.
1: All right. Clarification for the judge. A texter says, while President George H.W. Bush was most certainly a hero, he was not a fighter pilot. He piloted a TBM Avenger. That's a torpedo bomber with a crew of three. Take care and have a good day. Okay. I stand corrected and thank you. Yes. Uh, Your previous scholars misinformed, despite anecdotal instances over unemployment, welfare, and... Uh, food stamp user numbers are way down. The available workforce is much smaller now, so many are employed. That filling new jobs is becoming more difficult. Time to get real about what's going on. Have a great day. That's from Lou. I'm hoping Judge uh, Steidman could offer his opinion on the state police officer who was involved in the accident in Decatur that claimed the life of a female who had marijuana uh, in her system. He was responding to I-72 after the police officer in Muhammad was shot by Gracie Pendleton, if you remember that case, the officers being charged with reckless homicide.
2: I uh, can't talk about it. This is okay. a case that is uh, apparently ongoing now, I believe. Plus, uh, if a conviction were to result in uh, Macon County, that's one of the counties in the 4th Judicial District, and it would be coming up to my court if an appeal were taken. Okay. So, so it's, that's
1: one that could wind up in front of you. Yes. So you got to be careful. Okay. Yeah. Uh, And you did this a little bit earlier, but would the judge care to contrast the approach of the media's attacks on Starr as he pursued prosecution of Bill Clinton, talking about Ken the Starr, for lying under oath with the support of Mueller in his trying to discover the evidence of illegal activity by Donald Trump? And speaking of contrast, contrast the honor with which both Bushes conducted themselves as president with the behavior of Bill Clinton in having sexual activities with uh, the intern Monica Lewinsky in the Oval Office. That's from Robert. Yeah, well, that's I kind mean, of what you were talking yeah, about.
2: Yeah, and he's he's pretty well covered. It there was a big difference. Uh, I remember Ken Starr being uh, excoriated constantly and uh, being attacked and personally attacked, and uh, you know, rather different approach.
1: All right, nine fifty-six. A quick break, and then back in a moment. All right, Busey reminds you to keep an eye on your spending uh, as we uh, move through the shopping season here. Busey shares seven holiday spending tips. Keep your wallet as fat and happy as the jolly old man himself. Make a list, check it twice, be a bargain hunter, stick to your list, factor in other expenses, review receipts from last year, save receipts this year, and be cautious with credit. Review your statements uh, carefully. Busey is as committed to helping customers Handle their hard-earned money responsibly while also enjoying the holidays. Challenge yourself to be both meaningful and impactful with gifts. Remember, your time may be the most meaningful present they receive. The average spending per person, according to the National Retail Federation, $967 for the holidays. All right, so Busey reminds us of all that. 1-800-67-BUSEY or Busey.com. The Resource Center or Stop by any of their many, many locations. All right. Uh, less than a minute. I don't know, John, if you want to go quick, or we can have you come back here the next hour, but go ahead.
2: Well, I just wanted to tell the judge, when he was talking about Mr. James, uh, they had him on Shepard Smith, and he was talking in reference of, you know, if Mr.
3: Trump had backed him a little more, like he did the other candidates, maybe he would have for the win somewhere, because as a Republican, he did good. He had a good platform,
2: but there was a lot of uh, whites that never heard of him, And one lady said that when he came to the door, I mean, she cussed him out and she said that she wasn't going to vote for an N-word. She had no idea he was a Republican. And he was talking on Fox said
3: that if Mr. Trump would have backed some of the black Republicans,
1: maybe he would have got in office. All right. Hey, thank you, John. I think that's a good point.
2: Of course, he went all over the country campaigning, and he had to make a determination. But I agree. I wish he would have campaigned for John James.
1: All right. The news is next. More with the judge here. After the news at 10, WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. Right, welcome back. We're on Penny for Your Thoughts. Justice Robert Steigman with us here for the next few minutes. And, again, we will go to a handoff to Dave Lone, our pregame show for volleyball, coming up here at the bottom of the hour. So lots to get to. Uh, let's see. One quick question, and you've got a couple of quick things, then we'll go back to the calls. Uh, one previous appearance, the judge stated he had other plans than the IRS or the JRS retirement plan. How many retirement plans? Plans? Does he have? How many are Illinois public sector plans, and if any, what are they? Were the classes he taught from the position of adjunct faculty member for the Illinois College of Law, day or night classes, or a combination of day and night? Let's say. Uh,
2: well, I uh <clears throat> I have only uh the judicial retirement system, which is the best pension system in the world, but it has a problem. You got to retire. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as my classes, I taught uh, for 11 years at the university as an adjunct uh, at the College of Law, one class. And uh, I'm soon to be 74, and I stopped three years ago. And uh, they said that's a pensionable thing, so I get $147 a month. That's it.
1: All right. And, the uh, Brian, the judge probably shouldn't generalize. Republicans don't consider Democrats evil, as the Democrats do Republicans. Uh, one might think he's biased when a judge should try not to be. And then there's a report here from Newsweek that they posted. Uh, it said more than 20% of Democrats and Republicans think the other side is, quote, evil. And then there's a, a map they posted on that link. Uh, it's from Newsweek.com if you want to see it for yourself. I obviously can't show it to uh, our listeners, but shows the map and which states... Uh, breakdown of Democratic and Republican voters, and how many think the other side is evil. So, anyway, so don't make generalizations. Okay. So, so, there you go. Uh, also, just past Huff Hall, looks like a great crowd starting. Go Illini, that's from Curtis. You have a couple of things? You want yeah, I have on? a
2: couple of quick things. Uh, first is, <clears throat> with regard to the terrible riots that have been occurring in uh, uh, Paris, worst uh, in 50 years, and... Uh, It it hasn't been reported, I think, what people are writing about. They're talking about a tax, but uh, what the mainstream media hasn't reported is what's the tax and why. It's a tax being imposed by the French government explicitly to reduce driving out of concern on global warming,
1: uh, this is by Macron over this in, is by uh, Macron. in and, France. Uh, and the yellow vests, right? The and,
2: yellow vests are the ones riding, but the, it's, it's not, it, the only purpose of it was to reduce driving. And when these people were riding, they said, we, you know, this is too high. By the way, a gallon of gas uh, with this tax would now be $7 in mm-hmm. France. And a lot of middle class and struggling people said, well, we can't afford this. And his response was, well, take public transit. Well, of course, that might work in Paris, but it hardly works elsewhere in the country. And it's kind of like what's well, attributed to re "You have no bread, well, eat cake. You know, it's not a helpful suggestion. Uh The other thing to point out, <clears throat> and this is with regard to immigration, which is always in the news and a point I've made before and I want to emphasize again, Uh, There's been an ongoing effort in this country to conflate illegal immigration with legal immigration, and they have U.S. citizens view illegal aliens, term I use advisedly, illegal aliens, the same as we view immigrants who have gone through the lawful process to be here. And I think to their shame and discredit, the mainstream media have abetted these efforts. Fortunately, to this point, based upon a recent poll, these efforts haven't yet succeeded. The poll at the end of November showed that 81% of voters nationwide believe that legal immigration is good for America, while 80% believe illegal immigration is bad. Now, all I'm asking the listeners to do, if you don't trust me on this, is when you watch stories on immigration in the national mainstream media, see if anyone in the mainstream media ever draws the distinction between people here illegally or trying to get here illegally and Legal immigrants who have gone through the process, and I'll just add in closing, this is a particularly personal matter for me. My father was a legal immigrant. My father went through Ellis Island in 1923 and became the most patriotic American I ever knew and died at the age of 93 uh, on July 4, mm. which is... Uh, you know, the day he would have chosen to die so we could all, celebrating the birth of our nation, raise a flag to grandpa, and uh, as I say, he loved this country, and he loved this country because of the promise that you would be judged based upon who you are, not what you are. That was Martin Luther King's speech, too. We'll judge people by the content of their character, not by the color of their skin. And, of course, in 2018... That's old-fashioned now. The first thing we have to do is, uh, in these uh, new politics is we have to divide people up into who they are. Uh, are you white? Are you black? Are you a woman? Are you, uh, what's your ethnicity? Uh, it's the idea that we're going to judge people by the content of their character is something which is now being fought by the leftists.
1: All right, back to the phones here with the judge, Justice Robert Steigman, here. Until the bottom of the hour, then we'll start talking volleyball. Let's go to Tony. Good morning, Tony.
0: Uh, Was that Tommy?
1: Oh, Tommy. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Tommy.
0: Yeah, 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 Brian. Actually, who you are, what you are, I'm Mark Tommy Thompson, Mm -hmm. just just to make that clear. And uh, As far as what I am, I'm a man trying to seek justice for my friend who was crippled and ended up dying on the MTD judge. I got a couple of pertinent questions, and I hope I have a chance to get through them. Okay, Judge, I've been trying like crazy to find somebody to represent uh, Sam when he was alive concerning uh, the MTD's fraudulent documents that they submitted in the court process. And um, I've had no success. State's attorney called told me to call the Attorney General, which I did, and they wouldn't represent it or promote it. Who do I get hold of within the system? To prosecute the MTD for a fraudulent driver's report—that's my first question.
2: Well, I don't know anything about this particular case. I will tell you that uh, if there is a uh, uh, an accident or a death caused by an MTE employee and the MTE has allegedly lied about it, there could be serious civil liability and damages to be. Uh, paid, and if there is basis to this, you ought to be able to have a private lawyer who would be able to pursue it. Now, it might also be criminal in the sense that if there is uh, some uh, statement made under oath or a legal proceeding that... Uh, is untrue and is a lie. And and I want to be careful in my terms here. When people talk about lies, something being untrue, that may not be the case. In other words, the uh, a lie is when someone has said something factually incorrect, understood it to be factually incorrect, and intended uh, rec- people listening to it to be deceived by it. Uh, I don't know anything about this case, but I would tell you that uh, you can pursue it with private lawyers. And uh, there are lots of lawyers who would, if they have reason to believe the MTD or any other governmental entity has behaved badly, would be happy to take this case, to especially when someone's been injured or killed, and pursue it to get damages on behalf of the client, which would then pay for the lawyer's fees.
0: Well, unfortunately, I found out that a 66-year-old man who's penniless doesn't seem to have very much value in our society, from what I can tell, because I've tried over over a dozen different attorneys. So, mm-hmm.
1: well, again, the simple,
0: I'd, that takes, you know, I just can't find anybody to represent them. And I thought that's what the state's attorney was for. When you got a government entity like the MTD fraudulently creating driver's mm-hmm. report out of thin air, well, I don't
2: know state. what else to tell you. The state's attorney's got lots of business, and attorney generals, and it may be that they just weren't persuaded that this that's, as you described this case, that's what happened. I just okay. don't know.
0: It's just amazing. Yeah. Thank you, Judge. Right. Sure. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And let's go from uh, him to, to uh, Tim. Hey, Tim, good morning.
0: Hey, guys. Uh, Judge Stockman, my question to you is um, – the intellectual property theft of the Chinese government, and really it relates to the University of Illinois. What kind of venting process does U of I have for all these Chinese students coming to the University of Illinois? Because they are still communists. They are under the influence of the government due to their families at home. Some of them have to be uh, stealing our intellectual properties when we let them into uh, Beckman Institute and Blue Waters Chemical Engineering, Nuclear Engineering, so on and so on, uh, can you a little address that problem and what what uh, safeguards has the University of Illinois put up to uh, find out who these people actually are? And that's my
1: question to you. Thank you. All right, thank you.
2: I really don't know. I'm assuming that uh, we have thousands of students here from China that they're pursuing their uh, education. Um, actually. It, you know, there's always a danger from anybody that uh, they could get, come across something that's, uh, serious and technical and maybe shouldn't be revealed to them if it's going to go back to the government in China. My sense is this is a good thing to have, uh, thousands of people from, uh, China here because, and I've, my, my daughter taught, uh, English as a second language to a bunch of visiting Chinese, uh, scholars. Uh, who are a little older, but uh, I get the impression from having spoken to them over the years and having met these people that experiencing the freedom we have here is a serious and dramatic event in their lives. And uh, to have thousands of these people who are going to go on and become uh, important members in Chinese society I think will help Bring about, or at least has the possibility of helping to bring about, fundamental changes in Chinese society. At the moment, China is an authoritarian, fascist regime. It's communist, not really. It's a, it, it uh, it's a fascist regime. And uh, will this change someday? Who knows? But the fact that we have so many people attending this university and other universities uh, going back to China. Uh, they like keep being able to get on the internet. They like being able to say what they want. They like not having the internet uh, uh, censored. And they like feeling uh, what we do. Uh, you can say what you want, and you're protected. And uh, uh, I, I think it's a good thing on the whole. So. We're
1: with, uh, we're with judge, uh, Robert Steigman, Justice Robert Steigman from the appellate court uh, here in Illinois. Many, many years as a judge locally. Uh, attorney, prosecutor, all those years. Glad to have him with us here today on this MTD. Um, I'm sorry, uh, MTD caller next year. I'm looking at the next text. Jim from Muhammad says enough with the MTD caller already. <laughs> okay, got a text on that on this Pearl Harbor Day is what I'm trying to get to. Also a text is where should volleyball fans park today and is there a fan bus to huff? Yeah, I can tell you what my wife did. She took, uh, parked in the State Farm Center on the, thing, the southeast lot, on the east side lot, southeast, northeast. Uh, and the bus ran right from there, right across the street from BFL, takes you right, drops you off in front of Huff is what I'm told on that. All right, real quick before we get to the judge here and a couple of final thoughts from him. We've got volleyball coming up at the bottom of the hour. If you need a uh, mortgage, you need to get pre-approved, you're, if you're buying a home and you don't know what you're pre-approved for, you can help. And get some help from Damian Spencer at Fisher National Bank, 1710 South Neal. He's worked with Steve and Pam Starwald at Keller Williams for 10 years. He's been in the mortgage lending business for over 20. So today is Friday. There will be some open houses, I'm sure, this weekend. And you're wondering, can I afford the house I want to look into? Or what am I even pre-approved for? How's uh, How's my credit? All of that. You can get all that checked out today. And you can find out today before you go hunting this weekend. Uh, Damien Spencer, Fisher National Bank. Give the folks at Keller Williams a call. Stephen Pam Starwalt, we told you about them. 217 239 7156. They'll get together with Damien, get you with Damien. If you're downsizing, you're upsizing, get that information to you today so you're armed with the information you need. Damien Spencer, Fisher National Bank, 1710 South Neal. And another local young man participated in President Bush's funeral service. Joel Nogle of Champaign, a Navy pilot, flew in the first row of the flyover in the Texas funeral. His parents are Jim and Gail Nogle. So thank you for that text. All right, you had one other thing you wanted to uh, get yes. into a little bit? Um, on. Uh, uh,
2: it's a, it's an important concept. People talk about what difference Brett Kavanaugh making in the Supreme Court. And what I'm hopeful is the key difference he will make, and it's a fundamental one, <clears throat> is that he might be a fifth vote to undo the... Uh, racism, the racial preferences, which underlie the affirmative action situation in this country now. And uh, to put this in context, uh, the Roberts Court, with Kavanaugh on it, can finally put an end to the tangled relationship between government and race. Chief Justice Roberts observed in a 2007 case limiting racial diversity plans at elementary and secondary schools, quote, The way to stop discrimination on the basis of race is to stop discriminating on the basis of race. With Justice Kavanaugh's replacement of Justice Kennedy, the Roberts court can now stop what Roberts called, quote, this sordid business of divvying us up by race. In 1896, the infamous decision of Plessy versus Ferguson was re- came out. That's the separate but equal case. It was awful. And, uh, it was wrongly decided. The 14th Amendment should have made clear that, uh, this is not something which the government can do, permit separate but equal. And Chief Justice or Justice John Marshall Harlan wrote in dissent, The Constitution establishes the fundamental principle that the government cannot discriminate on the basis of skin color. Our Constitution is colorblind and neither knows nor tolerates classes among citizens. Uh, So what's to be done? Uh, I suggest that what can be done now with all this affirmative action permeating particularly universities, but every level of society by government, Simply prohibit the government from considering race at all. You may not consider race at all. This goes back to what I said my father's and promise of what this country was about. And Martin Luther King, uh, we're not going to be concerned with the color of skin, but the content of character. So the Equal Protection Clause mandates no exception for supposedly beneficial discrimination. This is what should be done. Affirmative action is unconstitutional and nothing in the Constitution prohibits institutions from seeking diversity based on poverty or skills. It just cannot use race. So if you want to say, you know, we're going to make some special admissions process for people who come from families that earn less than $40,000, that might also include the big farmer kid from Southern Illinois, that would be okay. Just don't bring race into the equation. I think... This is a possibility. Uh the last thing to mention about this is Sandra Day O'Connor, who was the last one really approved this in a five to four decision. This was in uh two thousand three, Greta Bollinger <clears throat> said we are mindful that a core purpose of the fourteenth Amendment was to do away with governmentally imposed discrimination based on race. Accordingly, race-conscious admissions policy must be limited in time. That includes all this affirmative action stuff. This requirement reflects that racial classifications, however compelling their goals, are potentially so dangerous that they may be employed no more broadly than the interest demands. The requirement that all race-conscious admissions programs have a termination point, get that, a termination point, uh, assures all citizens that the deviation from the norm of equal treatment of all racial and ethnic groups is a temporary matter. She said 25 years would be enough. That was in 2003. Now, where she came up with that figure, who knows? It's 15 years later. Is there any discussion about this? No. Is the university prepared to say, no, we're going to stop this? No. Is anyone even talking about it? I'm talking about it. Mm-hmm. I I think... Racial classifications, which is the fundamental basis of affirmative action, is pernicious, it's divisive, it needs to stop, and the Supreme Court of the United States, I think there are five votes now on it potentially, to say this is a violation of the Constitution, you may not engage in this practice, and not only that, but to permit people who have been wronged by it to start suing folks such as the University of Illinois and all these other universities who engage in this pernicious practice of classifying people based on race and make them pay individually, personally for violation of the constitutional rights. This would have a dramatic change and even here we have a champagne ordinance that says you have to favor minority business enterprises. Why is that? We're dividing up people on the basis of race. I think this is something which can come to an end And this is the key issue, in my judgment, why the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh was so important. There's no chance that the four liberals, so to speak, on the U.S. Supreme Court would agree with this. But we now have five conservatives. Clarence Thomas, John Roberts strongly pushed this. John Alito, I think Kavanaugh and Gorsuch might be the death knell for this pernicious practice that has been going on far too long.
1: All right, on that note, Judge, great, great to see you again. <laughs> Thank you for the yes. opportunity
2: to discuss all this, and it's great yeah. fun as always.
1: Well, we will see you soon. Yep. Thank you again, all your time, and uh, again, happy anniversary. Thank you. For your swearing in originally all those years ago. 42 years. Forty-two First years.
2: 42 years at a hardest part. <laughs> all right,
1: that's Justice Robert Steigman. We're going to switch gears. We'll take a break, come back, get you ready for some volleyball talk. We'll go out to Huff Hall where Dave Lone's standing by after this timeout.